0: I, really, the thing is that I just I, – we have two stories today about Jeffrey Epstein. Um, yes! <laughs> two stories, baby. <laughs> I like what's on the menu. Yeah, so I – Little guy you've <laughs> never heard of. <laughs> uh, so I present to you uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm a humble waiter presenting to you guys the options. In what order? We, appetizer, entree. Do you want to get Jeffrey Epstein on the Department of Labor or Jeffrey Epstein in a tangential story about – Massachusetts Institute of Technology. I
1: like my dessert first. Yeah. So, <laughs> what's your, the sweetest get, of these? <laughs>
0: I will never ever spoil my meal. <laughs> I think that the I think that the MIT one is actually. A, a, what, what do you think?
2: Uh, well, it kind of sounds like you think that one is the chef's kiss, uh a tasty multibene. You know, it's <laughs>
0: some wild shit. Okay,
2: then yeah, then, then it's then, some then, wild then shit. Then give me give me some of that dolce de leche or uh, you know. So, yeah. We <laughs> I'm more of a uh, Epstein creme brulee man. Myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I am making I'm making you something real nice. <laughs> hey, hey, hey.
0: <laughs> uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, Danny just used his hands excessively in uh, a, a and anti anti Italian mm-hmm.
2: podcast. <laughs> um,
0: <Yeah. laughs> I'm actually surprised that none of you guys suggested like a Jewish dessert. Whatever, we don't we don't have to go there. But like, so the thing, it, so. Before we go into that, there is a distinction. We're gonna, okay, so last time we were talking about you know, there's you know, commodities and currency and securities. This time we're just going to be talking about securities, stocks right. and bonds. That's all we're talking about. Stocks and bonds, that is the, where the majority of the economy is. Is a so 401k we,
1: a stock or a bond?
0: 401k is generally a mix of both. A 401k is a fund. A fund is a pool of... A pooled investment vehicle, a pool of stocks and bonds. It's when you
2: take a bunch of coins and then you put them in a bowl, <laughs> yeah, a large bowl, usually a size of a swimming pool. Some of them
0: are euros, some of them are dollars, some of them are f- expired francs, some of them are pesos, some of them are Zimbabwe. Currency, not e- which not is even mentioning yen. Not even putting yen on there. <laughs> Come on, man. Shekels. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. Oh <laughs> uh, wait, i I'm, I'm curious. You're telling me most of the economy is securities?
0: Look, <laughs> look currency is a different form for of For people value. who are
2: not in the room, David just uh, like put a, a solid hand on on the hip. Just like, I am ready. For to,
0: <laughs> just like. I would say that, okay, currency is value. End stop. So in that sense, currency is the economy. But the thing yes. where the mo- majority of people's personal wealth is held is in securities. Okay, okay? most okay. people don't have cash, which is currency. Okay, Jeff, Jeff Bezos
2: doesn't just have fifty billion dollars laying around.
1: He's
0: not liquid.
2: It, yeah, he's, he's not uh, liquid, baby. He's yeah, not wet. He's a brick fucking house, and <laughs> you, he'll you he's you can't knock him over.
0: <laughs> he's got it tied up in assets and. Uh, blood, libel. Rockets. And, uh, he literally
2: has a up in rockets.
0: Rockets, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and and then ownership of companies. And ownership of, of labor, essentially. So I a mean, much box. Okay, so a security, the important thing for all, all of us to remember as as workers is that a security is a representation of value, of ownership of a company which has derived wealth from its workers, right? And from its commodities that it owns. And for, or from its, like, uh, things that it owns, right? Assets mm-hmm. that it owns. Combination of those two things, the weld machine, that creates value of a company, that value is expressed by securities and ownership therein, okay? But separate from that, there are things called retirement vehicles, okay? Retirement vehicles, unless you work for a company where you own part of the company, most people don't own a piece of their company. Most employees just have a 401k. Mm -hmm. They have a 401k, or they have, if if you're lucky and you're in a union, you have a pension, okay? Yeah. Uh, Pensions smooth, silky smooth, a nice see, warm pension. See, just that's, like,
2: that's funny you mentioning this because you're saying all these words and I understand most of them, but it really is until just this moment that I realized, like, I have no idea what a pension is. Like, what that even means. A
0: pension is just, like, a really nice, generous, reasonable retirement plan. Like, you know why all the baby boomers are all running for president at 70 and 75? Because I, I guess like – or like why like baby boomers are still working so late? Like the, like boomers just – like retirement is just kind of eroding as a thing. Like the greatest generation, everyone just stopped working at 65. <laughs> it right. was just done. Yeah, you I were am. just done. And the, the thing is is that with baby boomers and with the slow kind of like uh, movement away from pension funds, people don't have as much money to retire on and they have these cheap – Derivative substitutes, you know, fucking like – not the real Eiffel Tower, the Eiffel Tower in Las Vegas. That's the real thing. <laughs> That's the – okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, a pension fund <laughs> – pension funds the Eiffel Tower. A 401K is for workers, okay, up in uh, the Eiffel Tower in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just is a, uh, that. And most people have a 401K if you're lucky. Most people actually just don't have a retirement plan at all frankly they're raw hey. dogging it they're raw dogging it baby they're just going they're free, free climbing yeah, free, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hey buddy and if there's one if there's one person who's
2: going free nat, i want to call it free natural <laughs> <Commando. laughs> you're going commando out there i'm going there. commando on these damn rocks <laughs> i'm yeah. fucking humping
0: these ro- i don't have any kind of retirement go on david <laughs> right. precisely yeah yeah that's why everyone's like i'm gonna get into litecoin uh, because uh-huh. it's like there's just like everyone just thinks that technology can solve like fundamental political issues, but this is a really a structural political issue that can't be resolved by like a new microwave or whatever so anyways the um, the government the SEC regulates all securities, okay in short, okay um mostly then. The Department of Labor and all the securities. Sorry, before I go say that, all securities laws, the majority of securities laws, the majority of the good ones, the big structural ones, were F or Franklin Delano Roosevelt laws after the Great Depression. The Securities Exchange Act of 1933, this, uh, the Securities Investor, uh, the Investors Advisors Act of 1940, the that, that New Deal shit, New Deal shit, just yeah, some yeah. good like 1933, 1934, 1940 Act stuff. Okay. And that all the
1: came... years that punk broke, the years that
0: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's a... but then there's one law. So basically, from then, um, if you guys watch, you guys watch The Irishman. I did watch The Irishman. Okay, so remember I, how... Yeah, so
2: what is it? I, I was just foolish enough to pay for it in theaters. I just... Wow. I wanted to... I just...
1: Did you bring a diaper or did they have <laughs> Yeah, an I was thinking the same no, thing. No,
2: I just went in there with a very, very pragmatic mindset, went to the bathroom before then, like in the theater, and was just like, yeah, I've just got to sit for a solid three and a half hours, yeah. you know? And sure enough, I was able to end in... I, I didn't have to go to the bathroom, but I went afterwards and. and folks, I pissed a lot. You yeah. know? I wasn't like dying there, but I knew it was going to happen, you know?
0: So if you watch the first hour and a half of the movie, you see about 15 cigarette breaks on a drive to Detroit and you have no idea why that's happening. And then you see an uncanny valley, Robert De Niro. But then if you make it through another hour and a half of the movie, you learn about Jimmy Hoffa and his control of the Teamsters pension fund, okay? So he ran the pension fund, and the pension fund is very powerful because that is every single Teamsters retirement plan. Okay, That's a lot of money. So all of that stuff was managed, and all that movie took place before the big retirement fund law was enacted in 1974, actually, by, I would imagine, was probably Richard Nixon or Gerald Ford, but probably was Richard Nixon, frankly. Um, and... Every day, I still wish Richard, Richard Nixon were president. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, um, the, I love him.
1: The last New Deal president. Love, yeah. him, love
2: love, love him,
0: love him. He's great.
2: Well, he
1: did. Uh, what was it? You know, they tried to push uh, universal health care during Nixon's um, administration, and the AMA were the ones that shot it down.
2: They asked me anything. So <laughs>
1: the American Medical Association. So the doctors uh, shot themselves in the foot by uh, doing that because they've lost power since then, and it's the insurance companies that took over. Over. And uh, and also Whoa. Richard Nixon uh, Hooked us up with the EPA
2: Yes he did Weird dude man Also went to China When you did <laughs> not go to China
0: <laughs> Yeah Fucking weird dude Motherfucker love ping pong baby Fucking crazy uh, Thought yeah.
1: out our Cold War With uh, the Chinese
0: Yeah Yeah he loved ping pong Ping pong and clean water Like he was just um, Like a sober <laughs> freshman in college <laughs> um, A wholesome Quaker Yeah He's getting some Martinelli's And partying Yeah <laughs> So, uh, this law is called ERISA, Employee Retirement Income Security Act, okay? Um, and the reason why Jimmy Hoffa was so corrupt and part of the reason why the mob ended up taking over, um, a lot of the union movement in the United States is because they had unfettered access to control these retirement plans and make a fuck ton of money off of it and do a fuck ton of money laundering and do a lot of really, really uncouth shit and stuff that was, like, not woke. All right, some super unwoke shit with working people's money. All right, Um, so put that in your pie hole. All right.
1: So it's not that the unions were well. So after I mean, the unions basically fell apart after the late seventies. So yes. Would would uh, would this um, sort of corruption and and uh, mob influence be one of the excuses?
0: Absolutely. Like the thing everyone thinks of, like the union, like even to this day. He's talking about unions, and people will still think, of like, oh, yeah, the fucking teamsters will break your knees, you know, break your kneecaps or whatever. And, like, there's a whole, like – it's still very, very widely associated to be connected with – if you were in union leadership, people will, like – you know, and if you're a fucking Italian, then people will, like, assume that you're in the mob somehow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's just some, like re- – it's a very common cultural thing even post Jimmy Hoffa being, like, you know, swimming with the fishes or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it, it – um, and so this law basically – um Established what's called uh, created the framework by which pension funds and retirement funds would be regulated. Okay, so these are, the weird thing about ERISA is that it is a law that manages and oversees money that is owned by employees, given out by employers, and regulated by the government. So it is this like weird triangle, fucking polyamorous relationship of regulation and a very confusing power structure.
2: So the, if I'm if I'm reading this correctly before this law existed there were these these pension funds they still existed but it was just a little bit more you know spurious how they got invested like people am i wrong to assume that people were still able to comfortably retire where absolutely yeah so because like that was i mean and i don't know how fictionalized the. i know the irishman is fictionalized but uh i know it, it, it seems like it just sort of got transferred as far as in power, who was in charge of it. Like, before, you have mob guys who are like, un, like you said, uncouth, but like, they're not gonna not, not fucking screw over well, their, their, their brethren. You no, know? <laughs> was, it,
1: was, it, was it more that uh, the pensions existed within the union and then Hoffa got into bed with mob guys and those guys started mm-hmm. using that pension as a piggy bank from which they took out they were able to, you know, siphon money out for their projects like building up Vegas.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think actually Gabe is a little bit more accurate. Okay. Um, yeah. I, like I mean, look, anyone skimming off the top is bad. We're gonna learn about that and we're gonna talk about that for the majority of this fucking little chat, uh, fucking uh, hang. And that like that is what it is all about. And and. Really, the decline of people having strong union jobs is like okay, us shifting from sh- shifting to a service economy, right? Yeah. Where everyone has a service job now, you know, like people yeah, don't, people yeah, don't yeah, make it. Yeah, we don't. we a production economy or a service economy. So like, it's easy. so. Anyways, that's a much much longer conversation, and also like the development of like Friedman, Ideology and like fucking you know triple no, down and all No malice- Friedman, no good, no good well, guy. Big bad boy. Yeah, it yeah. made
1: me. I mean, everything you're telling me around like unions and corruption reminds me of like season two of The Wire or is it three? Where they're. It's two. It's, it's two. With the, it's with, in the doc. It's in the, the weird one. And, yeah. and the Stevedores Union is uh, already on its way down. It's declining. But then when Zabodka, the head of that union, gets uh, embroiled in like the drug trade, and gets murdered. Then that is just sort of like the death nail in in union respectability. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. lo- it loses its political cachet at that that's point right. because they're able to justify breaking it further because they think it's all corrupt. When it wasn't the whole union that's the problem. It's the it was that some it was, it was that the abuse some, thereof.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. And, and and that and that gave political cover for. You know, neocons, essentially, to attack what was, otherwise an unimpe- what was beforehand an unimpeachable institution in, in the American middle class. That's right. Which was the union pension fund, fo- which is like union power. Don't you dare pensions. touch my pension. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that, that, that was, that was,
1: yeah, and, and this also makes me think about, I don't know how founded this is, but uh, this idea that whenever we think about Italian-Americans in uh, cinema, uh, the, the version of them that's glorified is the mobster. -hmm. Whereas you know when the Italians came over, the immigrants came over in like 1890 to 1930. uh, They were lousy with anarchists and uh, labor (laughs) agitators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is a much cooler. Oh, it's so much neater. Not that would be a much uh, that'd be a powerful counter narrative to who we romanticize as sort of the the Italian American experience because we romanticize the. The mobsters, yeah, we'd like to, we'd like the to, uni- all... not the labor leaders and the guy in the Sacco and Vanzetti's.
0: Yeah, I want to, I want to, I want a Sopranos prequel that's just Sacco and Vanzetti. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these
2: were guys who were literally throwing (laughs) Mario world style bombs (laughs) on on Wall Street. Like, yeah, like not like, Oh, this is dynamite. Like no, a black bomb the size of your fist (laughs) with a comical fuse. (laughs) That was a whole, that was a whole part of the, 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 the the Chicago something rights. Oh, I don't, Oh, I will talk about that eventually.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. sure. But yeah, Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it eventually. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyways, This – ERISA, the one big thing for our sake to know is that the DOL has authority over retirement plans only. The Department of Labor. The Department of Labor, but not over other securities, okay? Yes. And within DOL-regulated plans, you know, so like um, there's a part in ERISA that says fees shall not be excessive, Okay.
2: That is so vague. <laughs> okay. Good. All right. Okay. Yeah.
0: So that the, the funny thing about you, about your reaction to that is it's so vague. People ignored that part of the law for about 30 years.
2: <laughs> They're just like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Of course. So
0: the law gives for um, individual participants. So people – employees who put their money into this retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say we work at – a Shell gas station, and we they have, for some reason they have a four hundred one k, and they uh, have us invested in some you know Vanguard you know fixed income passive fund four hundred one k whatever just something that's going to get us through that way by the time we turn eighty five we'll have th- you know four thousand um, dollars just a really generous retirement plan you know <laughs> and so then like that that is um, you, you they can't charge the person who's regulating that can't charge you know kind of excessive fees in doing so so the person there's this is we have a a right. the law establishes a right to defend to sue in court the person who is managing our retirement skimmers fine. people skim this skim so the so the manager this is a, an important concept called a fiduciary duty okay love the word yeah yeah fiduciary is so a fiduciary is a particular legal concept that essentially means you as a person have a responsibility as a fiduciary of someone else to ensure maximum financial returns fi- maximize financial value for the per- for this person that you owe a fiduciary duty to without yes. any regard without any regard for your own personal interests whatsoever you this can- is
2: this is what we were talking about last week that where that one crazy guy from Mexico they started fucking up his funds yeah baby because yeah, they baby. weren't Maximizing his profit.:
0: So this is a bit this is like the thing is is that most white-collar crime is not like a big Ponzi scheme. It's not a big pyramid scheme. It's not all this sort of stuff. It's death by a thousand cuts with these violations of fiduciary duty. Yes. And this stuff is it doesn't sound like it's a big deal, and it sounds like, okay, well, this person made a little mistake, but it's really not a mistake they know exactly what they're doing they're trying to get away with it and it is slowly 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 contributing to income inequality but in a very 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 big way it would um, be
2: like if you had your it's like it's like banking is probably monitored to such an extent now that if you follow money you really can kind of follow where it goes and where it leads and be like oh yeah this is the person who moved their Money from like a Swiss bank to a Bermuda bank to an Irish bank <laughs> to a, a bank in whatever yeah, yeah. Jersey. So if you followed, it, it'd be like, oh, there they are. But because that stuff just gets mired in the like, it's so you know people don't want to mull over it. Mm-hmm. You're like, nah, I don't
0: care. And also, a security only has it changes its values all the time. I mean, it's, if you if you look at Fucking, you know, uh, Bloomberg or whatever uh, stupid TV show every day. Our lovely it's presidential a, candidate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it, it's 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 a mood ring every day of like rich people's thoughts. So like the value in and of itself is not just five dollars sitting in this Irish bank, five dollars sitting in this Mexican bank, um, but it's like this this security has a a uh, 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 fluctuating value in and of itself that changes all the time depending on the whims of rich people's confidence in the economy
1: so then what do we call that over time its value is an average of the uh of the fluctuations
0: so yeah basically and all but really value is ultimately determined by how much you sell it for we had a very strong q3 precisely <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so it's just it's all it is just about val- that 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 is the easiest way to define value is just whatever you can sell it for, right? yeah, that's, that, that, that's all really it is. That's all value really ultimately is. Mm-hmm. And so, but, the, so there's this, fee shall not be excessive is a very strange thing. So it was ignored for 30 years. There's this one lawyer who we will talk about in another episode, I promise. Yes. Um, his name is Jerome Schlichter in St. Louis. Very, very interesting person. Discovered this part of the statute. Has made an entire career of suing, um, institutions and employers, I- accusing them of violating their employees' ERISA rights and charging excessive fees. Okay, so or at least the um, manager of the funds of the retirement plan. Okay, so this is where Jeffrey Epstein comes in. Little bit.
2: Here it is, baby. Little bit. We gotta get there. <laughs> you look, you get the, get your friggin' popcorn out. You get a nice oversized lolly, and you put those noise cancelers in <laughs> right now. I've Listen.
1: kicked off my shoes, and I'm getting comfortable for this.
2: Yeah, I can confirm. Gabe just uh, Gabe just did a backflip. He is super comfortable.
0: So the where the where the story starts is a little roundabout. MIT. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: Um, it's the place that makes the robots, probably.
0: Yeah, make they make the really scary robots that they say are gonna be pets, but are really gonna be fucking like cops. It's like, like this dog has they, a gun, and it, it's they, this <laughs> robot dog that shoots <laughs> <cheats> perfectly accurately. <laughs> it
2: looks like if you, if you took like the Wes Anderson version of it, it would just be a dog with like an artisan leather gun holster on top of
0: it. It's so scary. So yeah. MIT is a scary institution, and MIT um, was sued by Schlichter, or Schlichter was the attorney representing the. Participants, or whatever, and um, he accused them of um, giving Fidelity, which is a big as- private asset manager. Um, probably, if those of you out there very likely I might have some money in a Fidelity fund, yeah, of sure. giving uh, Fidelity its retirement plans record keeper business in return for donations from Fidelity to MIT and making its CEO on the board, uh, Abigail Johnson uh oh, the CEO of Fidelity on the Board of Trustees of MIT. Okay, so MIT's like We got this big juicy cherry for sale. It's yeah. managing our books. Yep. Ooh, who
2: wants it?
0: Yes. That was the accusation, right? Yes,
2: that's that's yeah yeah.
0: They settled out of court for eighteen million dollars and so we can determine how led valid the claim the accusations were based off of the amount of money that MIT paid to Get them to shut up.
2: Yeah, because like in in, <laughs> in theory, if you're if you're operating under like I guess true capitalism, like well, I could have been like, no, I want to be the I want to be the bookkeeper for MIT's uh, yeah uh, financials. But instead, it was just sort of like uh, sweethearted over to Fidelity and and allegedly.
0: And as you know from Arissa, we know that fees shall not be excessive and. You have to get. You have a fiduciary duty. Fidelity has a fiduciary duty to um, get to like get the best investment. And MIT has a responsibility. Has also has a fiduciary duty to select the best person to be the investor for their employees. Because okay? that
2: because that law applies to everyone under that. Because they're both it, like you said. It's it's their, they both have fiduciary duty. Yes. It's not just yes. like I'm an, I'm a moneyed institution only I have to comply with that. It's like yes. no you're you're a part of it so you have to part of, be part of it.
0: Precisely. And and also because the accusation was essentially pay to play, the accusation was that MIT chose Fidelity not because they would be the best investment for their employees, but because they would get a kickback from it essentially. They would get donations mm-hmm. from Fidelity. To MIT's endowment. That's so,
1: the skim, baby. Yeah. That's
0: the skim. And, and, and if you think about it, this is literally taking money away from the employees, p- potential future earnings in retirement funds for employees, and putting that into the endowment of, of the employer, which is MIT. Before this happened, before the settlement happened, okay, there was a very interesting week in Jeffrey Epstein uh, unraveling, okay? Mm-hmm. At one point, there was an accusation against MIT Labs, which is technically a little different from the M- MIT, the institution. What's that-
2: the t- what's, what week is this precisely? Is this like this June? Is, this
0: is in September.
2: September. So this is like early September.
0: They had – do you guys remember what this kind of was with the MIT Labs? Did you guys remember reading about this at all?
2: I just remember seeing MIT. That's all I remember personally.
1: I just thought that uh, Jeffrey Epstein gave a lot of money to MIT and ended up going to dinners with with a bunch of their professors Mm -hmm. and uh, talking about science with them and how he wanted to have his head and his sperm preserved, yes, so that he could he could build a cyborg body like Mm -hmm. from Robocop two and just put his head into it and have like a sperm shooting sort of gun.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Uh. he
1: was a big fan of propagating his own DNA.
0: Hell yeah, dude! Yeah, fucking king. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And, uh, and rape. He rapes a lot. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, <laughs> oh goddammit. I have to oh, walk no. by my compliment. Oh,
2: oh damn it!
1: man, he's so cool. Kind of like the Yellow King from True Detective. Ooh. Yes. I got uh, it. Yeah. But uh, tell me the the, tell me the star. actual what's uh, the actual <laughs> story? Yeah, please. So
0: okay, so MIT Media Labs uh, was continued to accept gifts from him, even though after. Uh, he was like there was rumors, and then it kept. Then he got uh, there was all sorts of stuff about this relationship. Perhaps most notably, uh, this is from the New Yorker article uh, that exposed it. Epstein appeared to serve as an intermediary between the lab and other wealthy donors, soliciting millions of dollars in donations from individuals and organizations, including uh, Bill Gates and investor Leon Black. Um, the amount. Uh, according to records obtained from the New Yorker and accounts from current and former faculty, Epstein was credited with securing at least 7.5 million dollars in donations to the lab, including two from Gates and 5.5 million from Black. Gifts. The emails described as directed by Epstein or made at his behest.
1: Wow. That's, so this sounds like blackmail. Like he's got some dirt on all of these other rich people to yeah, be like, that's right. hey, that's uh, right. Why don't you give a million dollars each to MIT labs? Uh, because I say so. That's, that's right,
2: dude. Honestly, you're right. That that's what it is. That it, it's definitely a thing that's happening. And also, another part of my brain is like, you guys only secured two point five million dollars from Bill. Like, <laughs> the guy's the literal richest man in the world today. Anyway, like, he has a hundred times more of that money. A thousand about, times more. But think you know? about
0: all the fees that Jeffrey Epstein charged. That's really just like, <laughs> I'm not going to give more than this because I
2: know like 10% of it is going to him. Yeah. But
0: yeah. So, I mean, look, the thing is, is that Jeffrey Epstein, um, and this is an interesting thing, uh, interesting parallel to a lot of nonprofits generally, his hedge fund complex was a money laundering scheme for sex trafficking and pedophilia blackmail. Mm-hmm. That was ultimately what it would be he would bring people in, take people to his resorts, take people to his estates, and, like, probably, like, record their sexual encounters with 16-year-olds or with 14-year-olds or with even younger. And later, they would find out that they were younger, and you would blackmail them ad infinitum. That's and- right.
1: And so now he's got this big pot of money, this fund— And let's say another government agency who can't get their money passed through Congress, they can't get the funds they need, can just go to Epstein's fund and ask him— for some cash Not to say That the CIA Would ever do anything Like that No why would the CIA No why would this,
2: Gabe, the, the CIA Would never do the, they, No Have you ever no, seen The Office Do yeah. you know who Jim from The Office yeah,
0: Is yeah, He's yeah. a I mean, saint Are you kidding me You know what There's
1: no track record Of the CIA <laughs> Finding just, ways to generate income. They just did not
2: do that. It's so bad. Air America
1: was not a CIA front. Oh no. uh, There was definitely no way they, they didn't generate income to like fund the the contras.
0: No, you stop it. What are you, a supporter of Ayatollah Khomeini? <laughs> yeah. Who are you?
2: Also, it's it is occurring to me right now. In the same way that Polaroid is like inevitably has this weird dark past. Where pre-digital cameras, it's like, hey, if you want to take a picture that nobody should see, <laughs> you know, like, Polaroid, we the people... That's what GoPro is today. <laughs> like, Whoa. like think about, like think about it. All those hidden cameras and Jeffrey Epstein's like weird sort of like, uh, like Jewish flag like temple uh, thing. <laughs> just <laughs> GoPros in the side, and like the CEO was like, "Yeah, dude, we're for fucking sports photography, dude." <laughs> <Like, laughs> wow, the, like those sensors have just seen the most god awful forbidden things in the world. I th-
0: that sounds like the most dystopian shit and hilarious. Oh, it's so fucking bleak and funny use of uh, GoPros, man. God damn it. I no, yeah. I have Hell no joke yeah. about that. I just think that's fucking funny. Hell yeah, dude. Fuck <laughs> yeah.
2: Also their stock not doing great. <laughs> do uh, uh, so, so so that's
1: good. It's, so our boy Epstein uh has a, a fund basically all of his fund, his billion dollars that he's got is or it had was um was
0: blackmail money. Yes. So the thing is is that after this came out, this is in first week of September, the uh, president of MIT wrote a letter, okay, uh, to the MIT community calling for an, an investigation into the MIT Media Lab's relationship with Epstein. Okay, so he sends out this letter. Okay, one of the things that's going on in this in this litigation, jumping back to Fidelity shit, jumping back to that pay-to-play excessive fee lawsuit that they're dealing with right now, is – MIT is saying the MIT president is personally saying I will not testify in this case because I had no oversights over the investments. I somebody, had no somebody responsibility needs responsibility over the investments. I had no control of the investments. There was nothing I could do. About somebody it.
2: needs to go. You know what? Somebody took a fat turd in my room. All right. And as a person who just ate at Kudoba, I am launching an investigation to see who did this because I am furious at the at the concept <laughs> of somebody soiling my bed after i had drank 18 shots of tequila who would have done such a thing
0: that's right this yeah.
1: uh this president reminds me a little bit of uh you know how, how trump is innocent of everything but every single person around him has been uh, you know caught in some sort of misdemeanor yes. minimum yeah, yeah. and he and he's just like oh, i a very good person i only met him once Paul Manafort, we talked on the phone, we texted once.
0: That's he loved dude, he loves that. It's like, I don't know about I just don't know very It's some well. classic like the buck stops uh anywhere but here. Yeah kind yeah, of a yeah. thing. You know, it's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Uh, so the the president of MIT is feigning ignorance towards all of the investments.
0: But in, yeah, to towards all the investment stuff in this MIT in the fidelity excessive fee stuff with their employees. Right. Okay. <laughs> so at the same time, after the Epstein shit comes out, he says We must call for an investigation into all this sort of um, chicanery, all this – some people call it chicanery. Some people some riffraff. Some people call it – some people call it molesting. Some people call it uh, the worst thing that you could possibly imagine. You know what I mean? Like whatever you want to call it. So he he calls this investigation. This Schlichter attorney, he takes that letter and says, um, this is evidence that the president of MIT has authority – to oversee and control the funds, the retirement funds, and has access to the endowments and has access to what's going on with the money. Basically, and, and
2: that like, guy, the Schlichter guy, is the guy from, he's the attorney that we'll talk about he's, on a future episode. In, the, in a
0: future episode. He's the attorney that's representing the employees. He's okay. gonna, he'll be the hero of the story in the future. At some point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he deserves it. Um, and so... More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so this so he says based off of that the president of MIT should have to testify because it he would be a material witness in this trial for this, these excessive fees um and he wrote wrote this letter uh saying because of Jeffrey Epstein uh these people should the president should have to speak to for the accountability of these people which is i think pretty fucking crazy and then uh no one responds. Two weeks later, they settle for $18 million. <laughs> and he never testifies. You know what? I'm never going to
2: find out who took a shit in my bed. So I guess I'll just clean it up myself. But you guys got to you, you be
0: better or be better, all right? That's Jeffrey Epstein's story number one. Then there's another way that people make money by managing your money, okay? Fees is one way, and an advisor makes that money. An investment advisor makes that money or someone who's managing – um, an account, right? Okay. The other way is to be a broker-dealer and you have a commission. Okay?
2: okay, Okay. so a fee is just sort of like I did a thing,
0: well... I'll charge you a flat fee, I'm going to charge you $500 to deal with this based off this sort of stuff. A commission is I have a little bit of stakes in whatever you invest in and I'm going to take a little bit off of that as well. It's a performance-based com- commission basically wherein if you make 10%, I'm going to make I'm going to take 2% off that and you're going to make 8% overall. It's like if you're a manager of a comedian and you want them to do well. So, you yes, know. yes. It's like an, a, uh, so it, an agent, an agent. Yes. an agent makes commissions. Yes. That's right. Or, or, they make uh, 10%. Yeah, that's right. An agent makes commissions. Whereas like, um, any other service provided would be a fee, right? Yeah. Any, so if you want to get someone to do your, um, you know, make your video, your five minute video that they're going to charge a fee. That's it. Yeah. That makes sense. Difference yeah. between the two, an investment advisor historically was very different from a broker dealer. A broker dealer was someone who was just pull the levers, and you'd say, "I go up to them, like I want you to invest in Mr. Vanderbilt," and say, "Okay, go invest in Mr. Van-, the broker dealer would go invest in Mr. Vanderbilt, um, and or whatever, you know. And it was that simple. Whereas an investment advisor was more of a, a kind of an elite thing, and you would have a whole balanced portfolio. And let's say you were Mr. Vanderbilt, and you had um, all this money and to say, look, Mr. Investment Advisor, look, uh, Mr. Gabe, um, I, I don't know what to do with all that. I don't know what to do. With, I have too much money. I don't know what to do with it. Hel- help me. Well, how aggressively
1: would you like to invest?
0: That is a question that an investment advisor would ask. Would
1: you like uh, to be more conservative? Are we looking just for retirement? Or are you looking for a lot, of, a lot of growth?
0: That's exactly right. So then, then, then you would say, I would say, what I, would say is, I want a lot of growth. And then you would say, well, you should start a foundation. You should, you, would start a, you should start a charitable foundation. Then your money will grow very, very well.
1: That's a, uh, a great way to shelter your taxes. And uh, you'll look like you're on the side of the
2: angels. Yeah. Amen. How, 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 how risky you want to go? Do you want to go a million dollars in a mattress or a million dollars on black on the roulette wheel?
0: <laughs> that's what we're talking.
1: <laughs> and so Epstein is somehow going to be the Kevin Bacon in this story too?
0: Epstein is going to be a, a bit of more of a political actor okay Instead of a, a lawsuit actor in this one okay so there's been a lot of weird stuff going on with the distinction between these two fellas between the investment advisor and the broker dealer and okay. when
1: did this start happening is this a a, a broker dealer it's since is the
0: invention a, of like stocks and bonds there's always been investment advisors and broker dealers really? sure, so- sure
1: but i mean the conflation of the terms when did this the the mud the water get muddied <laughs> Like I would say
0: in the I would say probably when the financialization of the economy it starts to happen more. But really, it's become a big deal in the twenty first century. Of like now, all of a sudden, you have things like wealth advisors and wealth management planners and all these things where those are not legal terms. They have no meaning. They're pure marketing terms.
2: It's East Williamsburg, my man. <laughs> <laughs> it is East Williamsburg. Yeah, yeah. It's the East Williamsburg <laughs> of the financial sector. And
0: so, like, you're a wealth management advisor, and you can. Basically, the advertising and marketing rules are such that even if you are a registered broker-dealer, you can call yourself a wealth management advisor.
1: These are the holistic healers of the financial community?
0: Yeah. Maybe maybe it's safe to say,
2: and I'm making a generalization here, maybe it's safe to say that the, the wealth management advisor has become more prominent ever since the number of billionaires in the world went from about 150 in 1990 to about $2,500 <laughs> to current date 2019.
0: Very well could be. The, the important distinction and the reason why the marketing matters between the two is because as the law sits, an investment advisor has a fiduciary duty to its clients. A broker-dealer does not. <laughs> a broker-dealer does not have that because in theory, back in the day, a broker-dealer was a lever puller and they just would do the thing that you would tell them to do. They... Took the yes, they, they took commission, but they really had no stakes in it. They were just kind of there, and they just kind of did what you were told. And so, they even if you said like, if you said to me like, "I want to invest in horses in 1915 or whatever," then
2: horses are booming. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say,
0: "Gabriel, you sure you want to invest in horses in 1915?" It seems like a pretty bad idea. I'd say, and you're like, "You're my broker dealer. You're not my investment advisor. Fucking pull that lever. Do it. Pull and the then, horse uh, lever. Pull the horse lever." <laughs> 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 and so I, I would say, "All right, man, go for it. You know, then then you fucking do it. You know." And so like. There are, I wouldn't even say. Actually, you know what? I wouldn't even say. Are you sure? You would just say invest in horses, and I would say, yes, sir.
1: In the in it. the mob, your wealth manager is like your consigliere. I think so. And then he's like, he, he it's your advisor. It's just your advisor. Yes. Yeah, and so. then yeah, yeah. the and then the broker is more like a hitman. Like you tell them to do. You, you point them in a direction with
2: yes. their gun. Yes. would and you, you like you, to eviscerate this person.
1: <laughs> you do this thing. They are never supposed to question why. They're doing it. They just do it.
0: More or less, yes. And so but so then that's changed. And, and broker-dealers do have some duty. Okay, broker-dealers uh, – cor- remember uh, that we talked about the last episode of FINRA? That, yeah. Okay, so FINRA only bro- governs broker-dealers. And FINRA um, is that self-regulating organization that is a private corporation but technically has government powers to regulate the broker-dealer industry and the financial sector at large. Okay? Mm-hmm. FINRA – has established what's called a suitability standard for broker-dealers, where that means that says that investments should be suitable. That's all it says. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I. Lo- oh my God! So, I love uh, these sentences. <laughs> it's uh, a lot of vague booking. Yeah, no, that, but it really means very, 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 very little. I mean, you can sue over suitability standard violations. That's true, but to um, a fiduciary duty is. Saying you have a legal obligation to ensure maximum returns for your client absent your own personal interests is so different from investments should be suitable because a broker-dealer can just say, hey, look, I know you want to invest in horses, but have you tried the David Bradley Eisenberg fund for – for cats, you know, like we're actually doing cat technology and you should really invest in cats. And you're like, yeah, okay, sure, I'll try it. And cats are getting an annual like 3% return and horses are getting 2% return. And so I'm like, yeah, invest in cats. But this cat thing is actually just a one big Ponzi scheme. He's, the, he's, uh, so I'm so I mean, like, saying it is they're, just they're, that there is a very, very low bar of accountability. And it's a lot of things that you can just say like, invest in, yeah, just invest in this. And you can kind of get away with it as a broker dealer. Whereas an investment advisor, any advice that is given has a fiduciary responsibility to it at a certain from like start to finish.
2: So the, the, the point is being that a wealth manager is not an investment advisor.
0: Yes. A wealth manager is a marketing term.
2: And thus they have no responsibility. They and, do and not
0: unless they are a registered investment advisor. Yeah, yeah. But you have to look at the fine print to know that.
2: An investment advisor can be a wealth manager, but a wealth manager is not necessarily an investment advisor.
1: I can print out business cards right now that say I am a, yeah, well, well, wealth, a wealth correct manager. Yeah, manager. yeah. slash it's, it, astrologist to the stars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: These invest these these wealth managers have no idea of the great horse crash that's coming in 1917. Yeah, right. there is
0: there is no square rectangle relationship between wealth manager and investment advisor. You know what I mean? It, they are. Well, it is just, wealth management means nothing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, investment, it's say, even saying like wealth advisor actually means nothing. There is a registered investment advisor and a registered broker-dealer. That's it. So, anyways, the Great Recession happens. Dodd-Frank happens. This is all things that we all remember. 2008. One of the weird things about Dodd-Frank is how much of the language is vague book. Okay. A lot of it – one of the provisions that's relevant to this conversation is Dodd-Frank says the SEC shall, if they would like, implement a rule. <laughs> what is this if? They see, if they see fit I, – I, 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 I'm not like saying word for word, but this yeah. is what it means. Is like If they see fit, shall have the authority, if they see fit, to create a fiduciary duty for broker-dealers that is equal to investment advisors. Okay. This gets passed by Congress, signed into law in 2010, and this
2: is a response to the recession. This
0: is a response to the recession. A law? Can you imagine? Excuse me. Uh, uh, can you imagine a law like the Civil Rights Act passing and it's saying the states. If they see fit, <laughs> uh, shall implement equality with for black people and white people. If they want to. I mean,
2: whatever. Whatever. I mean, yeah. It, it might as well have the I word whatever
0: If it feels like it's a
1: vibe,
2: yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. you can go with it. Is it a vibe? I don't know. I mean, yeah. look.
0: So, it was not a vibe. <laughs> but rest assured. Rest assured. No vibes were had. <laughs> Narrate, narrator voice. It was not a vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and Mary Jo White was the chair of the SEC at the time. This is in the Obama administration. And um, Occupy had a point. I mean, like, Mary Jo White did nothing. Nothing. Yeah. For four years, nothing happened at the SEC. And for the, from 2010 to 2014, no movement on this fiduciary rule for for broker-dealers. Okay? Then – This is when Liz Warren starts speaking out, and then she's having all these internal fights uh, with the Obama administration, and is like making all the right enemies within the system. She's looking great. This this is like yeah, she founds the CFPB, Mm -hmm. you know, fights her ass off to do that, and like tangible good thing the CFPB is. This part of Dodd Frank is not.
2: Yeah, this is this is this is classic early Liz Warren. We're talking just elected to the Massachusetts Massachusetts Senate, you know? Yeah. Fucking. Fucking coming in hot, you
0: know. <laughs> this is yeah, yeah. So she's doing. She did the CFPB. She's in. in then there's in 2014. Actually, um, Mitch McConnell takes over the Senate and prevents Obama from getting a replacement. So the SEC, the SEC has five chairs, has five commissioners. The fifth one's the chair. Okay, always, there's a rule from the Great Depression that says that the minority party or the majority party can have. It's like, it's like, I don't remember what the configuration is, but it re- requires diversity, essentially. That's saying that the minority party has to have, or a non governing party has to have at least two seats, or something like that. A
1: team of rivals. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it requires something like that. So Obama is stuck at four, and McConnell refuses to nominate his fifth SEC person. Okay? And. Just because just cause he's a fucking little jerk.
1: He's a big obstructionist, Mr.
0: McConnell. But but, 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 but that's in 2014, man. Obama had from (laughs) 2010 to 2014 to do something about this. It was in 2015 when McConnell obstructed this new SEC chair. But like, yes, there is an obstructionist and we can blame whoever we want to, whatever forces there are. But American
2: people will not.
0: At the end of the day, there was nothing stopping Obama and Obama's SEC from 2010 to 2014 from implementing this fiduciary rule. He doesn't. New DOL, uh, new Department of Labor Secretary comes in. New man. We've heard of him. We know him. We all probably hate him if we know who he is and we know what he's about. Tom Perez comes in. Yeah. As the new Department of Labor sec- secretary, secretary. You know Department him. Of Labor. You love him. Heave the him. Hope of the Hood. Yeah, he's.
1: <laughs> so Mr. Cool. Tacoma Park. Yeah. The DNC. Chair head.
2: Bugging out. You know what I mean? Uh, he, Tomas Perez. He is uh, – what is uh, – so is, is Obama still the president at this point?
0: Obama's still president. Obama's still <laughs> the president in 2015
2: yeah, bro. when he gets appointed to
0: this. So so, the, so the thing is is that it, it becomes very clear after Dodd-Frank has passed that the SEC is not going to pass this fiduciary rule. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. T- Tom Perez comes in and he says, we are going to pass – a fiduciary rule um, for retirement plans only, because remember, Department of Labor has jurisdiction over retirement plans.
2: Yes, I do remember this from when I learned. <laughs> uh, yes, it. Right? Yes.
0: So, like, he has. So he says, we're gonna, per Dodd Frank, we're gonna pass a fiduciary duty, a fiduciary rule within my s- small confines of retirement plans only, not all. Investment, but that's not even small. It really is a very big sector of the securities industry. Is retirement plans?
2: Sure, sure. No, we, Especially we, in the we, retail. we don't have to make them seem small. It's
0: cool. So he's trying his best with it within the constraints that he has, considering how fucking inept um, Obama's SEC is, or like openly corrupt, or whatever you want. Or, or, conservative, whatever you want to fucking call, industry friendly, whatever you want to call it. So he's trying to do this, and it passes. It, okay. It's a rule. It's a rule. People are. Fighting it tooth and, and instantly the industry pushes back. Um, and there is huge uproar over this new fiduciary duty rule for broker dealers. So now if we're paying attention for those for those who are paying attention, investment advisors all have a fiduciary duty. Broker dealers who handle non-retirement accounts sh- shitty suitability standard. Broker dealers who handle retirement accounts, also a fiduciary duty. Mm-hmm. Okay? They have now been bumped up to investment advisors. Yes. So they didn't, and now they do. Then it gets overturned in the courts. Um, The courts overturn it and say, no, sorry, Bob, because this is ridiculous. The SEC should implement this Dodd-Frank rule, not the DOL, because Dodd-Frank said the SEC shall implement a fiduciary duty rule um, if it sees fit, not the DOL shall. The Department of Labor. The Department of Labor. It, it didn't yes. say that. It said the SEC shall – I'm pretty sure that's what the lawsuit said. That, that, it, that, that, that was the, the ground. It said, just, basically just said the Department of Labor is not the right body to be implementing fiduciary duty rule.
2: Yeah, so the, re, so the fact that Tom Perez and his like weird skeletor face are even doing it in the first place is a reaction. It's a reaction from Mitch McConnell blocking something at some point. In Some other time, a little bit. It, it's basically it, in a weird roundabout way, it's just this. Um, it, it, it's like finally bringing to light like the the why there th- this hadn't been done in the actual um SEC years prior, like yeah. four, four years prior, essentially.
0: Yeah, it is, and it's just, it's he's trying to do something within the w- without. This is the ultimate failure of the Obama doctrine: mm-hmm, is that you mm-hmm. cannot fight for working people when there is an open adversarial force that is working against working people, because then yeah. you just become complicit therein. Or truly, really, what Obama's legacy is tri- proving to be just useless. I feel like, like that, 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 where
2: that, this is go I feel like I know where this is going. I okay. Know, I know what you're gonna say. Go ahead. So
0: it, it gets overturned, and there's just nothing now. Okay. And so then, the SEC. Um, and you see this again with so many other things with the Obama administration. Obama administration walks into a healthcare care debate, uh, negotiations with a Heritage Foundation plan. You know, he his SEC just doesn't do anything with with implementing these, you know permissive language of Dodd-Frank. Um, there's, you know, the cap and trade dies, I mean like and, and Tom Perez is very much an organism of that mindset. And his greatest success, that he strives for is a manifestation of that. Of failure. <laughs> of failure. Yeah, of yeah. failure, of fecklessness. And it, it, you know. And, and this is why – I mean one of the reasons why he's a really, really terrible DNC, with DCCC, DNC chair um, is because he kind of like is the Obama – the failed Obama doctrine but also because he's um, not a community organizer and he like blacklists people, consultants and stuff like that. But that's all a separate story. It, it's the big thing – is that it gets overturned and it's dead. The SEC, egg on its face a little bit though, okay? Now this is the Trump administration, okay? Yes. The new Trump administration, this is 2018, so last year, still technically. So now if this gets released later, then it's going to be in 2022 years. Two years ago. It's um, such that uh, the Obama administration the, – sorry, the Trump administration's SEC says, we got to – okay, fine. We got to do something. We got to just make it look like we're doing something to just account- – to give – Give them a bone, make it look like we're not a completely partisan body.
2: So, but, so, to, and I would emphasize, I thought you were going to say this happens in 2016, or mm-hmm. even 2017. No,
0: this happened last year. So they,
2: like, even two years after, they still haven't assigned somebody to this seat.
0: No, it got filled in Trump's administration. Okay, It okay. did get filled in Trump's administration. Okay, okay, okay. But Obama never got to fill it, so now there's a five person, and the, the new chair is a Republican his name is Jay Clayton, chair of the SEC, um, and they are like, look, OK, got to do something about this uh, fiduciary rule. we got to do something about this Dodd-Frank language. we got to do something to acknowledge the fact that the DOL – basically the court said the DOL is not the, the proper regulating body to implement this rule – and SEC, maybe you should be the proper body to do so. You know, yeah. And so then what happens is they uh, create this thing called regulation best interest. They create this new rule that is somewhere between – depending on who you ask, it's very, very, very controversial depending on who you ask. But it, the majority of people would say that it is somewhere between the suitability standard of FINRA – Okay. And the fiduciary duty rule of the investment for investment advisors. Okay. It's somewhere between those and there's a lot of weird things about it, and it gets really, really, really complicated about like all these sorts of minutiae of like what sort of things you are and aren't allowed to do. Nonetheless, they implement this rule.
1: It's the be best
0: rule. It's kind yeah. of the be yeah. <laughs> and they do while they're doing that, the current Department of Labor uh, secretary is Jim Acosta. And we all know Jim Acosta who in two thousand seven, when he was a, what a federal prosecutor in Florida,
1: that's right,
0: refused to prosecute Jeffrey Epstein and gave him some sort of like plea gar- plea bargain or what? What, what were the stories? About? Do you remember what that was? Well,
1: uh, he Jeffrey Epstein, uh, they they he didn't have to um, bring up any of the other witnesses, <laughs> right? So he didn't have insane,
2: to. The most insane. It's Alex Costa, right? Shit, yes, yes. Uh, yes. Jim Acosta Alex. is the new news anchor. Go on. Great, oh <laughs> thank but, you very much. But uh,
1: but I guess they see, you know they sealed it so you don't you don't see the list of other his uh, co-conspirators.
2: Yeah. So like when G- when Jim uh, when Alex? Jeffrey Epstein when Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> became for anybody who doesn't remember Jeffrey Epstein did get like. Convicted, like some, like something happened to him. I can't remember the exact details. Where- I know that
1: he got to work from home, and he just had <laughs> yeah. to show back up to go to sleep. The Justice in the Department
2: jail. did something, to, or, or basically, you know, was pl- caught him once. It
0: was a plea bargain.
2: Uh, yes, a plea bargain. He got a plea bargain way back before people. This is way back before everything was problematic. This is what, you know, you were you could be as problematic as you wanted to pre-2013. It really was
0: pre-MeToo. I mean, really the fact that the fact that it was pre-MeToo is kind of uh, yeah, important. To yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. And so, that's that's what happened.
0: So, um this comes up when F- Epstein gets arrested, okay? Alex Acosta has to resign. He's got too much he's got too much flack and it's just like he's got to go. Mm-hmm. So he resigns But before he resigned, he was promising to implement a new fiduciary rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because actually, Alex Acosta was a little bit more labor-friendly than most Republicans would have liked him to be.
2: (laughs) Alex Uh, Acosta was
0: actually kind of a fucking mod compared to what they wanted from him. That's so (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah,
1: He's a compromised mod, though. For, yeah, yeah. Uh, for slapping the
0: wrists of a pedo. Yeah. God, yeah, just in, so... Yeah, just fucking... What do you do with that information? You it know what I so mean? Funny. So he has to resign, okay, because he, like, as he should... For
1: his kid gloves prosecution. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. So then this new guy... So he, But but he planned on, in co- coordination with this new regulation, best interest, um, introducing a fiduciary rule for investment... For, um... Uh, retirement accounts, right? Yes. He's going to do that. He has to resign. Now, this guy <laughs> takes over for him. This guy, Patrick Pizzella, who is actually a fucking right winger on labor. He
2: sounds like a, a dessert that you can only get in New York City. <laughs> I love
0: Pizzella's. You got to go get one in the Wisp
2: Village.
0: <laughs> um, and so, basically, uh, where we're at now, there is a new labor... There's a new head of the Department of Labor and he was much further to the right of... Alex Acosta Mr. Treat and Mr. And Mr. Dessert Mr. Dessert. Dessert and so the moral of the story is because of Jeffrey Epstein we have a now right wing labor board <laughs> oh man all these he people is,
1: he is the pedophile Forrest Gump yeah. of all of America's problems <laughs> really, you really you really hit it on
2: the head he really is the Kevin Bacon of it it's like you can't you hit you can, you go three degrees
0: like it's, it, he's in every single little event yeah, yeah, yeah he just kind of shows up everywhere It is the fault of, like, a failed ideology of centrism and, like, of the, like, compromise of, like, the, you know, soft gloves on, like, on rich people, those sorts of things, and also just, like, of neoliberalism in general, and all of this should be, like, an indictment of that, and, like, Jeffrey Epstein's example, you know, Kevin Bacon, Forrest cup example, should be kind of just like a... I don't know is, is is elucidating that I guess. Yeah, it's yeah.
2: it's um it's um bringing it it's it's exacerbating it. And
1: Lane Maxwell is our new Jimmy Hoffa. Where, Where is, is she? Where?
2: Jislane Maxwell. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some say she's in Brazil. Who's to say? <laughs> yeah. Um that's really uh David, that's pretty wild. That's pretty crazy and wild and the honestly the craziest part to me was the fact that like Even though these people, like, their whole thing is like, we want excellence. Like, we're getting the the experts in our field, blah, 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 all this stuff. And it's, like, they can't even do that quickly. You have four fucking years to just, like, put somebody on this, like, seat, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're
2: just, like, no, I think what we're going to do, actually, is uh, get paid a lot of money to do nothing. It's just, uh, I mean... You you work at your your small business job where you just despise your manager because they don't you think they don't. You're do
0: talking anything. about Obama's SEC right now, right?
2: Yeah, yeah 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 yeah. It's like you you work at that job thinking it's like yeah these managers don't do anything and it's just like
0: oh yeah no no no
2: no no it goes all the way to the top baby <laughs> then, like you got you got fuck you got sucko fuckos up there who are just don't even, they have they're not doing it they're not doing shit either they just. Look into, the micro- uh, look into the microphone, like, I, I, you know? I, I
0: do, I mean, I, I'd love to think that they're, like, hapless managers and just kind of, like, lazy guys who are just, like, playing ping-pong instead of, uh, like, doing their job. Nixon but it, it is much more, that was so much more deliberate. It really was. Sure, like, like sure. they all came from corporate law firms that represented the security. Like, nobody who works at the SEC was, like, my grandpappy lost his farm during the Great Depression, and that made me hate the banks, and that inspired me to go to law school and join the SEC so I could destroy the banks. Like there was no – there are no idealists in the same – in a real concrete way, or mostly not. They, There were no – the
1: no one had an antagonistic relationship with capital.
0: Yeah. Not really. No. Yeah. No. And so it, especially Obama's SEC. Especially Obama's is particularly – was particularly – Capital friendly um, and they were just like, look, Obama did what he needed to do, passed this law, but we're not going to do shit to implement this. Maybe. Gonna do, maybe. Well, like we're going to we're going to use to the extent that the law requires us to do something. We're going to do something. But to the extent it has permissive language that doesn't require us to do anything. We're not going to do shit because yeah. we have a fucking job to go back to in 6 years when this administration is over. Like yeah, they, yeah, have to, yeah, they have they yeah, have a job yeah. to, they got they got to go back to fucking uh you know Sullivan and Cromwell after this, you know?
1: Yeah, that's that uh it's that revolving door yeah, between so government and uh, private enterprise. What?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and because this was not the pre-me too thing, but I would say 2013, 2014 was like a big sort of like kind of cultural shift in how people thought, like a revolving door thing, like I mean, I feel like now if you brought that up, people would at least be like, oh, yeah, that's sort of inherently corrupt. But like five, six, seven years ago, people just didn't – they weren't aware like that. No,
1: know? people were really excited with uh, the idea of you, you leave uh, you leave working in the government um, trying to uh, correct – uh, prison, like like trying to correct prison reform or something, and then yeah. you leave, and now you're uh you're a lobbyist for private prisons. Yeah, I mean, look
0: like, at what, ha- <laughs> what look what Obama has become himself. I mean, Jesus, look what this dude has done in his post presidency.
1: Right. Yeah. Just bought a, a multi million dollar mansion in Martha's Vineyard That's, and gone yeah. and <laughs> gone uh, island, wind sailing man. with uh, Richard Branson. You yeah. know. It's, it has a Netflix show.
0: Like, come on, dude. What are you doing? It's
2: he's just... like, it's like, at least with Bill Clinton, like, he had just gotten impeached and was like, after he was out of office, people, people were like, no, dude, we do not like you. <laughs> like, he had a solid three years before he started being an I mean, he was a ghoul before then, but like, you know, he wasn't popular. And now Obama is just like, yeah, he just. Yeah, I'm fine. What are you talking about? You know?
1: There's still a cult
2: uh, worshiping Obama. A cult of personality, for yeah. sure. And
0: it's really becoming a vanity project. I mean, he's really not... Because there was so many, so much conversations as to what he was going to do yeah. when he got out. And he sets up this charitable foundation. He makes a fuck ton of money doing speeches. And he like just becomes a rich person. And that's just essentially what he's becoming. And it, it's sad to see the comparison between like what Jimmy Carter was as a post-president versus what he's doing as a post-president. And even Bill Clinton was like campaigning actively in every single election like Obama did but like I think Obama's just kind of done Even George do-
2: W Bush was so fucking like <laughs> so he painted
0: t- man so like no, I we I mean know, like I
2: we've recently got rehabilitated to him because of the media but there was a solid 5 6 years where we're just like George W. Who like you know? He, well, oh, he just he, disappeared. Yeah, yeah he, he fucking yeah. dropped. He's just like, oh, I I ruined everything. Peace <laughs> out, dude. And it's only now since Ellen DeGeneres essentially and Michelle Obama and Michelle Obama that we're actually talking about him again. But he peaced out for a while. Like Barack Obama has been like he never left.
0: He still has an office in D.C. He what? He still has an office in D.C. What? What? And I he meets with You know? Yeah. yeah.
2: Taking meet- take- meetings with Bezos in his gigantic fucking mansion. <laughs> Jeff-, Jeff Bezos has like a 100-room mansion. It is like the most expensive house no in Washington, D.C. Jesus Christ. But that's beside the point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, this has been illuminating. I feel like I learned a lot more about Jeffrey Epstein. Mm-hmm. I learned a couple things about the Teamsters pension <laughs> and in uh, pensions in general and securities.
2: I, I feel like it, look, I love screaming about Jeffrey Epstein, but it, it was also very fun and nice to scream <laughs> about him in a very, look, this is how it happened and all tied around. Like, this wasn't just sort of like flying a kite in like a rainstorm where it's everywhere. It was just sort of like, we know where we're going. This is a gondola. It's going to the top of the damn mountain. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> <laughs> this was uh, this was that and I, I feel like this is going to be helpful for us to be talking about these sorts of white-collar crimes in the future because these – the level of, like, complication and, like, this sort of, like, the rulemaking versus the law versus the courts and, then like, the lawyers versus the institution versus the money manager. Like, these sorts of relationships and these sorts of fundamental rules of what it means to be a fiduciary and stuff, this is, like, the bread and butter of, like, security's white-collar crime. Don't, don't like, get
2: too full on it. You got a whole meal coming all right <laughs> so
1: if I had a hundred thousand dollars, what is the what would the name of the advisor be that i what what is the legal title of the advisor that I'd want to manage my my wealth?
0: you probably want an investment registered investment advisor you want
1: to, okay, so you hear that out there, all of our moneyed listeners <laughs> I am not <laughs> you need a
0: registered
1: money advisor the investment thing that you advisor, inv- yeah. a registered investment advisor the thing that you don't want. The uh, the, vo- the voodoo finance bro that you don't want is called what?
0: A wealth management anything wealth wealth management portfolio advisor re- what retirement advisor yeah. retirement advisor anything that is not the, in the fine print saying registered investment advisor or finra broker dealer <laughs> yeah. those are the things you want to look for they can market themselves however the fuck they want if they want to call them like you know like astrology dude bros stoner fund then they can wealth advisors. They, they can, but you gotta just look for those two distinctions and know what you're getting when you choose between the two. And I don't know, man. Honestly, you should probably just get like an like an investment advisor because broker dealers offer investment advice. Anyways, if you call yourself a wealth management <laughs> advisor, you're giving advice. <laughs> like you're just giving advice with less risk for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, and that's the big problem between the distinction between the two. And we can go. We can talk about this another time. But like. It, the big heart of it is that they, their activities have blurred. okay. Adv- Broker-dealers give advice now, yeah. and so, but they just give it with less risk. So if you're going to get advice, you may as well get it with like a registered investment advisor.
2: Don't let them pull the wool over your eyes, you, you fucking fools. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, this has been so much fun.
2: I think you can find me... On Twitter.com, <laughs> Instagram.com, <laughs> uh, all cross-platform at Danny Feltz D-A-N-N-Y-F-E-L-T-S. Um, you can send me a message. You can find me in the Lower East Side, riding a bicycle, um, picking up a thing that I have to take seventy blocks north. Um, yeah, follow me. Yeah, follow me. Red Soma Rush, 2007. Yeah, that's,
1: that's big, great. Yeah. You can find me at gabepecheco and Funhouse Comedy every Wednesday night at nine
0: PM. Yeah, and uh, just go to davidbradleyeisenberg Yeah, D- uh, David's great, you guys.
2: David's great. <laughs>
0: uh, all right, this is a, that's a, that's it.